You know football and you pick winners all the time. So why not get paid for them at my bookie? Bet single game spreads, money lines, or parlays to increase your payouts. Low contest entry fees and over a half a million dollars to be won. Make it so you don't have to be a pro gambler to have fun. Getting started is easy. Just visit mybookie.ag and use promo code ZABE on your first deposit to secure a double deposit bonus. That's promo code Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo to get your first First deposit matched dollar for dollar, all the way up to a thousand bucks. My bookie is a proven sports book that makes it simple to bet and to win. So make this your winning season exclusively at my bookie. Today on the Zabecast, I got into quite a pickle a few weeks ago as a listener and golf buddy invited me to play pickleball. A full report today on one of the fastest growing sports in the country. Also, what's an appropriate comeback song after getting shot? And PayPal decides to lose its ever-loving mind. Your bonus, off the beaten sports pass dose of pure me, is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Tuesday, October 11, 2022. Thank you for downloading. It is just me today, sort of just me today, with a big chunk of pickleball in the middle. But don't worry, there is some NFL stuff in here, as well as some other content. I know, I know, I know. Ugh, pickleball on a Tuesday in the middle of football season when there's baseball playoffs going on. Hey, I've always told you people, this podcast is extra. It's sometimes totally unrelated to the usual sports grind. And I was happy with how the pickleball conversation came out. And I am a pickleball skeptic of sorts. I, I, I don't quite get the appeal. I understand the appeal. I just don't get it myself. And I can say that I am not clamoring to go buy a pickleball paddle pick a peck of pickleball paddles after this, but I enjoyed the enthusiastic introduction from my friend Steve Halligan. You'll hear from him and his personal instructor, Sonny Tannen, in just a bit. But let's get to it. If you uh, are curious today, I think you'll enjoy it. If you hate it, then just delete and we'll see you on Wednesday. We're going to have Rhodes and Hatch, so we're going to talk lots of football as week five will be officially in the books I'm watching right now. The uh, Raiders and the Chiefs, and oh, looky, looky, the Raiders are about to go up 14-0, first and goal at the two-yard line. I'll keep you updated as that game progresses. Okay, Uh, let's get to a few pieces of feedback real quick, and then some thoughts on the Brady roughing the passer, which I thought was interesting on Sunday. This piece of feedback from, actually, I got two emails from two Steves. One Stephen in Columbus, Georgia, and one Steve Eisenberger in Columbia, Pennsylvania. I swear to God, these appeared back to back in my email inbox regarding the exact same thing. What are the odds, right? What are the odds? So we'll start with Stephen in Columbus, Georgia. Big Georgia Bulldog fan. Go dogs. He writes to say, Steed, on Monday's Tony Kornheiser podcast or show, Mike Wilbon, his normal Monday guest, said without explicitly saying that the reason there was a roughing the passer penalty against Atlanta was because Brady is white 
and he was sacked by a black player. Don't believe me? Go to the 18-minute mark and listen for yourself. I don't have time to do that. I'll take you at your word. He said, quote, the call is more sinister. Brother can't sack Tom Brady? Brother can't hurt Tom Brady? What happened is sinister. I can't wait to hear Jay's take on this. I know he likes Will Bond. Does it matter that a black referee is the one who threw the flag? Thanks, Stephen and Columbus, Georgia. Good dogs. That's, that's just embarrassing if that's really Will Bond's honest, earnest take, but okay. Then there's this one from Steve Eisenberger. He says, to your point the other week, Michael Wilbon is that angry old man who is delusional now and can't separate his prejudices from fact. On Tony's podcast today, he said, black defensive players can't hit Brady based on the Falcons call. It's a racial issue. Oh my God. Ask Jay his opinion on this. He also said last week that Northwestern outplayed Penn State. I realize he's a wildcat, but PSU had 119 more total yards, nine more first downs, and 15 more minutes time of possession. I think they won the game 17-7. to Not super impressive, but yeah. Here's the thing. If I'm not mistaken, from what I researched, Mike Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser each make $6 million a year from ESPN. And unlike Stephen A. Smith, who makes $8 million a year from the four-letter, who has to go on all these shows and do all this stuff, and he's run through the car wash every day, like three hours on first take. Wilbon and Tony share a 22-minute show every afternoon. A brilliantly crafted, mind you, and incredibly efficient sports McPinion product designed by Eric Rideholm, the executive producer of Pardon the Interruption, in which these two guys, and by the way, has probably at least five or six producers, assistant producers, researchers, etc., that lay out the whole show, all 22 minutes minus commercials that they're obligated to do, yammer, yammer, yammer. Wilbon himself does not even have to be in D.C. anymore. He lives most of the year in Phoenix, Arizona. I don't blame him. I'd love to do it myself. <laughs> he makes $6 million dollars. A year, and Wilbon makes $6 million a year. They're sharing half of a 22-minute show. Neither one has to do anything else for their $6 million. Kornheiser does nothing else for ESPN. Wilbon may dabble in the NBA playoffs, but I don't even think uh, he might get paid extra for that. I don't know. It is like winning the lottery year after year after year. I ain't hating. I'm just saying. So it's not surprising then that Wilbon would be completely unmoored from and detached from what we like to call um, reality. And no doubt, in addition to making $6 million, I'm sure he gets his ass kissed and nobody's willing to say, really? I think that was a racism related call, huh? Of course, I'm not going to say that. Now, Wilbon in my interactions many years ago, and I haven't interacted with him forever, um, has been quite pleasant with everybody he comes in contact with. That is one of the great qualities about him. But on the air, on the show, he's become the grumpy old man. And if this take is correct, it's way wildly out of step with reality. But again, he's not living in reality. Neither is Kornheiser. 
they have won the lottery year after year after year. And they're worth that much money because PTI gets sufficient ratings. They can sell it to advertisers. And really, they neither one can be replaced because they're two old grizzled sports writers. One's Jewish and white. The other one's black. Wilbon pretends to be hipper, but he's 63 himself and pretty much li- lives a sedate golfing lifestyle. He's not in the clubs with the kids. And it just works because of their relationship going back to the Washington Post. But still, that of all the takes that are out there, well, that's one of them. Speaking of the Brady roughing the passer, Greg Auman, A-U-M-A-N, covers the Buccaneers for The Athletic, has covered them for a long time, came out with some numbers in the wake of this Brady hit that went viral. He says the roughing the passer call against Grady Jarrett on Sunday was the first such call drawn by Tom Brady this year. He's drawn one total in all of 2021. Since he came to Tampa in 2020, he ranks 16th among all quarterbacks in roughing the passer penalties. He has a total of six. So obviously the data does not point to any sort of preference for Brady, although it just is bad optics for sure. I got to thinking, okay, well, how does he rate on hit-adjusted RTPs? In other words, he probably didn't get hit a whole lot, so you got to divide the roughing the passer calls over total hits, and that would give you a more accurate ranking. And I think somebody did ask that of Allman, who covers the Bucks for the Athletic, and I think he did parse that out and move Brady up a bit, but it was from like 16th to 9th, so it wasn't a whole lot. Then I start thinking, well, maybe Brady is just better at turtling. Brady, at times, when he knows that, because he's slower than dirt, that he can't evade a rush, he just turtles up and goes down. So you're not going to get a lot of roughing the passer calls when he's already lying on the ground in the fetal position going, sorry. I also thought, well, maybe defenders know that even blowing on him, touching him in any way is going to be strictly called and likely lead to a penalty. So how many times do defenders pull up short on Brady? Because they expect there to be a Brady bias. Don't know. But these calls do tend to even out just a bit because earlier in the game, Vita Vea drew a 15-yard penalty for Tampa for roughing the passer on Marcus Mariota. All he did was get pushed from behind by Falcons guard Chris Lindstrom And then Vea just bumps into Mariota, no hands, no arms, no helmet, no nothing, bumps into him, standing straight upright, Mariota flops, flag. That's the viral clip that you probably didn't see, but it happened in the game as well. Meanwhile, in Minnesota, Justin Fields had a spectacular 52-yard touchdown run that was called back by Amir Smith-Marset, wide receiver for Chicago who had one hand in front of Cameron Dantzler, but otherwise knew that Dantzler was about to flop. And so he pulls his hands back to go, hey, you know, I am kind of blocking him, but I'm not going to get a penalty here because I can see that Fields is about to go ham and go to the house. Well, that's when Dantzler gives a flop LeBron would be proud of. And this is now one of the sad truths about the NFL. In addition to replay, fucking up this league beyond all hope. In addition to the concussion rules doing the same, in addition to the ticky tack, oh, don't even look at the quarterback anymore rules. Flopping is now a thing. 
in the NFL, a certified bona fide thing. Players are getting savvy on how to do it. They know they're getting calls and it's not going to stop. So the scourge that started, the cancer on fair play and sport that started in soccer that then metastasized to basketball and has gone completely off the rails in the NBA has now come to football. And I don't know what can be done other than telling referees, do not, under any circumstances, reward guys who flop. Be on the lookout for flopping. Then there's this. What's the appropriate song to come out the tunnel to if you are recovering from being shot? Because Brian Robinson did that for the Washington Commanders, and he used the song Many Men, parentheses, Wish Death, from my favorite rapper, by the way, 50 Cent. 50, but I like In the Club, which is kind of benign. It's like, In the Club, yeah, I'm in the club. Okay, sweet, cool. Many Men, parentheses, Wish Death, has more graphic lyrics. Like, many men wish death upon me, blood in my eye, dog, and I can't see. I'm trying to be what I'm destined to be and ends trying to take my life away. Come on, put a hole in a for fucking with me. My back on the wall, now you gonna see. Better watch how you talk when you talk about me because I'll come and take your life away. Many men, many men, many, many, many men wish death upon me. Lord, don't cry no more, blah, 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 blah. And it goes on and on. Now look, I'm not saying you should have come out to Everything is awesome from the Lego movie or, you know, some kind of uh, kumbaya hold my hand song. But I just don't know if the rap songs that embody the rough inner city upbringing from which I don't know if Brian Robinson actually came up in that or not is the appropriate thing for a guy who nearly was killed from some young punk wanting to steal his car because he knew that he drove a nice car. Like, what is the appropriate etiquette on this? Is that right? Are you not furthering the sort of stereotype and and the culture of, okay, well, you know, you better watch your back. I'm going to get you now because you tried to kill me and you didn't get me. I'm still here standing. That all sounds tough and well, but the Redskins had a guy who was shot in his home. By a guy who wanted to rob him. He's dead. His name is Sean Taylor. He would have gone straight to Canton had he lived and played a full career, which is really just hard to think about now still. So I don't know, man. I do not know. But I'm glad Brian Robinson is back. It's an amazing comeback. Very, very lucky as well that those two bullets went through his leg and didn't hit anything vital. 37 days, I believe the number was, from the time he was shot to the time he came back and played on an NFL field. How about the game-winning kick from Justin Tucker, the best kicker in the NFL, maybe the best kicker who has ever kicked an oblong leather spheroid in Roger Goodell's traveling circus? I'm willing to say that he is. Obviously, Vinatieri has more big-time, big-game kicks, but in terms of leg and accuracy and just being a complete and total weapon, I mean, nothing beats Justin Tucker. And... There was a kick in the game in which young um, Money McPherson, Money Mac for Cincinnati, kicked an extra point over the top of the upright. 
Now, this is always an interesting thing because you can't use replay to analyze was that in or out if it goes over the top. They wrote that in specifically because they know that you would spend hours looking at a kick to go, wait a minute, is that it? I can't, when does it go over? And as far as I understand it, here's the way the rule works. Unless the inside of the football is clear of the outside edge of the goalpost, it's in. So in other words, if any part of the ball crosses the top of the goalpost extended, it's in. Sort of like in tennis, if one little smudge or slice of the tennis ball catches a part of the line, it's in. At least that's what I was led to believe. I may be wrong about that. Don't quote me. Or the answer was, if any part of the outside edge of the ball was outside the outside edge of the goalpost, then it's no good. That may be the case. If that was the case, it looked like McPherson's extra point was no good. Well, why don't we just make the uh, uprights taller? Okay. Well, the answer is, quite simply, uh, they already have twice. And once was because of Tucker himself. The uprights are now 35 feet tall. That's on top of being 10 feet off the ground, which the crossbar is. And it used to be 30 feet. Now it's 35 because there's a game in 2012, a playoff game in which Tucker's 27-yard field goal went over the top. Uh, Belichick and the Patriots swore he missed it. The referee said it was good. And so they said, all right, we'll add five more feet. Why don't you make them 45 feet tall? Well, they're already so fucking heavy. And these goalposts have to both be able to be straight, that they have to withstand high winds, especially in Buffalo, amongst other places. And they have to stay upright and straight. And you add more to that, it's going to become very difficult to handle. This company, SSI, that does the goalposts, said basically, we're already at the limits engineering-wise of being able to make them tall enough and have them be feasible. Kickers are just too good. Now, you could put a crossbar across the top and say you got to kick it through. That would kind of be stupid, though. I don't like that. Others have said, how about lasers? Which is everyone's answer to everything, isn't it? Like for first downs, how about lasers? We can use lasers. Okay, so a laser shoots into the air. How do you know if the ball hit it? Well, it would have an electronic sensor. Okay. Sure about that? What if the wind is blowing the goalpost and it's leaning? It leans one way. Right at the last second. Does it Lasers! (laughs) But I love Justin Tucker's answer about, you know, making the kick. He said, very much deflecting to his teammates, I'm a system kicker take a load of this get a load of this answer i mean i love it and i hate it and everything in between it's uh you know I, i'd be lying to you if i said every time i go out there i'm not just a little bit nervous you know i'm not thinking about you know worst case scenario but it's really important to me and to us to take you know those 1.3 seconds between the snap the hold and the kick and just focus on the nuts and bolts of what's going to make the kick and my feelings don't matter what matters is seeing the ball snapped with 12 o'clock laces from nick moore seeing the ball spotted cleanly from jordan stout his first career game winning hold and then uh, from there i'm just a system kicker the ball kicks itself at that point <laughs> no it uh, doesn't all, all we're really thinking about is those things that are going to make the kick all the feelings and stuff we can enjoy them 
them after the fact. I love that. What a weapon. What a kicker. Amazing. And uh, this kid for Arizona, Amendola, I messed up his name yesterday with Andy on the podcast. He missed the game winner, and one of his teammates waited at his locker to defend him, saying, you know, you guys are all waiting to talk to him, and he's going to speak because he's a stand-up guy, but this is a team game, all right? We could have done a lot to win the game before this. You can't just come in and ask for one guy to say, why didn't you make the kick, and you messed up, and that's why we lost the game. I like that. That was good support of a teammate. Although I have no idea why he hit such a bad slice like that. Who knows? There's one Justin Tucker, and then there is everybody else. Matt Rule is out in Carolina. I would say it's well-deserved. I don't know exactly what he did wrong there. He's had shit quarterbacks in Baker Mayfield, who I thought was going to be pretty good now that he's healthy, uh, and he's not healthy. He's hurt again with his ankle. He won't start this week. I mean, he's had, what, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. I think there's a couple others in the mix as well. Seems like a very smart, pleasant, affable guy that dealt nicely with the media. He's going to go back to college where he was kicking ass at Baylor before he took this gig and probably resume kicking ass in college. But he's due $40 million. There is some offset language in there, so he won't just get to double dip on David Tepper's money, but I think he'll do all right in college when it's all said and done. So if you add him as your first NFL coach fired, cash that ticket. Winner, winner, Matt Rule dinner. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know football and you pick winners all the time. So why not get paid for them at my bookie? Bet single game spreads, money lines, or parlays to increase your payouts. Low contest entry fees and over a half a million dollars to be won make it so you don't have to be a pro gambler to have fun. Getting started is easy. Just visit mybookie.ag and use promo code ZABE on your first deposit to secure a double deposit bonus. That's promo code Charlie Zulu Alpha Bravo Echo to get your first deposit matched dollar for dollar, all the way up to a thousand bucks. My bookie is a proven sports book that makes it simple to bet and to win. So make this your winning season exclusively at my bookie. Okay. My friend and golf buddy, Steve Halligan, who is a member at the fabulous Caves Valley Country Club, golf club, club in Baltimore, Maryland, outside of Baltimore, Maryland, father of nine, owner and CEO of a tech company in the D.C., D.M.V., Baltimore area, 
and just a great dude, very good golfer, but now has become this pickleball evangelist. I mean, to the point where he's like, oh, I, uh, oh you want to come out and play? Okay, come on, I'll c- come on and play. Let's go play. He dragged me out to Hillendale Country Club in Phoenix, Maryland after dark when we were done playing at Caves to play some pickleball where we sat with his friend and former D1 tennis player at Wake Forest, Sonny Tannen, T-A-N-N-A-N, a wounded United States Marine who is now a pickleball instructor and a ranked player. And I played some pickleball and we talked some pickleball and I found it very interesting. So if you ever were pickleball curious, here was our conversation about this fast growing sport. Welcome to the Minto U.S. Open Pickleball Championships powered by Margaritaville. One of the beautiful vacation destinations in our great country, Naples, Florida. Incredible beaches, white sugary sands. And did you know, Naples also the pickleball capital of the world because one week a year, it's the largest pickleball party here at this event. Tonight's day seven. We've got men's and women's doubles pro. Great to have you with us, everybody. Drew Felios, Melissa McCurley from PickleballTournaments.com, and there's also Chad Edwards out of Peak Performance. Here we are. It is a beautiful fall night, and we are at Hillendale Country Club. Is that right? That's correct. Hillendale. Hillendale. In Phoenix, Maryland. You've got it. I got to tell you, I've never been here in my life. This is north of Baltimore about what? Maybe five miles north of Baltimore City. Yeah, um, twenty minutes. You said, which was forty-five in real time. <laughs> well, you, I wanted to show minutes, you that uh, you, you couldn't tell me forty-five and say, "No way, I'm going home." So twenty it was. But we're here though, and that's all that matters. And it is a pickleball fest here on the hard courts at Hillendale Country Club. And you have been the biggest evangelist for this sport. Sport, absolutely, Alligan. absolutely. Not game, not hobby, sport that I've ever known, and I'm going to learn about it now. Well, you have an opportunity to learn from one of the best, Sonny Tannen here. All right, introduce our guest here on the set. Well, I'll, I'll uh, as I had Sonny Tannen, uh, who was one of the guys who I first took some lessons from and, and uh, got engaged in the pickleball community. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's pretty tight-knit, but growing rapidly, yeah. and it's, it's full of great people that, right. uh, that are having fun, being healthy, like to compete, as I told you earlier. We like to play hit them in the throat pickleball. Um, Sonny, Sonny, uh, throat. but and Sonny, Sonny will teach the right ways to uh, make sure you understand the strategy and the shot selections and and uh, all of the scenarios around the sport to uh, to nice. make sure that you're more successful. Sonny, so. welcome aboard. Thank you for coming tonight. Tell me your backstory. Right. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And just like you, I've never been here before either. So okay. I'm glad I didn't ask Steve how far it was. How I far away do you live? I live about 55 minutes from here. So okay. I'm in Howard County, a little bit closer than Northern Virginia. That's all right, think. though. I'm out here, and I'm glad to be out here. Absolutely. So. Uh, what What is your athletic background? Yep. So my athletic background is my first sport was soccer. So I, okay. I grew up playing soccer. I played soccer in college. Where? And then, uh, I played at UNC. All right. And then I played tennis at Wake Forest. So tennis was my primary Wait, sport. Wait, what? Yeah, I changed schools quite a bit. I didn't like to stay in one place. So you played soccer at Carolina, tennis at Wake. Yeah. Fascinating. So, so it's it's been an interesting journey for Which me. Which were you better at? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I excelled at soccer more, but I think tennis I probably had a little bit more fun okay. with it. I wasn't the best, I'll be honest with you, but I had a good time playing those sports. Okay, so uh, where do you stand as a tennis player on this 
growing sport of pickleball? Yeah, you know, it's it's a great question. So I actually found pickleball because I got injured. Uh, so I got injured on a deployment in the Marine Corps, so I had to give up playing tennis. Wow. Uh, so I found pickleball at a local YMCA. Uh, my favorite story is What I, was your injury? Uh, so there's a couple different things, but oh the ones I can share, uh, my wrists, my back, and a little bit of my leg. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. Oh God. But here I am playing a sport that my body can handle. That's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you got into pickleball. Yes, sir. What so year? I, uh, let's see. It's 22 right now, so probably about 2018. Okay. Uh, end of 2017. So All I was right. walking through my local YMCA, heard the pop, 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 and I said, what the heck is that? That's it. Stuck my head into the gym, and there was a gentleman giving some pickleball lessons to some ladies. They look like they're having a great time. We got to know each other, and that's how I got into pickleball. How'd you get into pickleball? Uh, similar story. I was um, playing racquetball for 20 years. I played some tennis recreationally, and um, a guy introduced me to the sport who started pretty early, like 2012. He's like, yeah. you, you guys got to get a hang of this. And um and we played once and said, okay, you know, just kind of goofing around, having fun. And I said, you know what? This is a sport that would be really fun to get good at. And um, I introduced to my brother-in-laws. We play at the beach. There's just a lot of camaraderie and trash talking. And um, and then I decided in probably 2020, I said, you know what? I want to get a little better at this sport. And I started to get to know people that that, um, that taught, that played at high levels, that cared more about it. And, and it's a... It's just a, a whole lot of fun at, at every level, really, from, from beginners to, to very high-level competition. So, Sonny, when I derisively, jokingly just, of course, call it slow tennis, uh -huh. what do you think of that? I think everybody's entitled to their opinions. Okay. Uh, I think the best thing, that, and you know, Steve said this, is it's sport for anybody. So I think the best way to kind of reframe what your thoughts are on pickleball is just to <laughs> get out on court. Just get out on a court and hit the ball around. I One of our buddies just mentioned it's like hitting a wiffle ball around, right? So come out here and hit this weighted wiffle ball. Get a taste for yourself. Have some fun with it. I know the sport is growing like crazy. I understand the endorsement dollars that are in it for people that play the game. I know that the equipment like this racket I'm holding, is it a racket or a paddle? It's a paddle. This paddle I'm holding, this Jula, you said this doesn't exist? So this this particular Yola paddle, actually, um, it launches, I believe, either next week oh, or two Oh, it's called weeks. Yola. Yola, yes, sir. So it's it's actually um, it's the signature paddle of one of our uh, fairly new endorsers, Simone Jardim. And so this is her particular paddle that will be launching very soon. It's how much does this retail for, or that, will it? That, that's a great question. Um, I, I don't know what the marketing team has put out there All yet. Right, what does a typical high-end pickleball paddle? Great question. So for? that that particular paddle is based off of our 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 marquee player, the number one player in the world, Ben Johns, and his yeah. paddle currently retails for two hundred and twenty dollars. Two twenty. Yeah. What's in this? It's it's, it's just a paddle. <laughs> you know, there's there's paddles that range anywhere from my, mine is I bought my first paddle, buy one get one free, like Steve. It was a thirty dollar paddle. I gave okay. one to my brother, but you know, there's paddles that as low as you know twenty five thirty bucks, and there's some that are as high as like over three hundred. All right, I will say the surface feels to be a very specific, very finely manufactured textured surface yeah the group that's put it together they're they're they call themselves paddle geeks or paddle engineers they just they are very good at what they do there's is, a lot of thought that's put into these is paddles. this for spin as a combination of combination things. yes sir Mo but the most popular is power spin control okay. those are those are the, the big ones that are, are there regulations there, on the paddle there are so on there it says that it's usa pickleball approved so there is a a, a governing board that does okay. check the paddles and, and to make, make sure, sure they're, they're not respect. illegal not too juiced up yes sir okay fantastic so what are we going to learn today about pickleball how do you get good at pickleball 
Well, I think you, you can enjoy it not um, – you want to learn the lessons, right? So we're going to teach you a little bit about just the, the setup of a game. Um, and we'll get out and probably play. You'll, you'll learn how to score. You'll learn the flow of a game in five minutes, if that. Um, but we'll, we'll also go through some things about how to play, maybe not like, not like tennis, maybe hitting, hitting the right strategy of a shot. Um, and, and I would say optimally is try to keep it in play, and you'll have a lot of fun as you'll see guys laughing and All goofing right. around with their buddies. It's a double sport, right? Is there singles pickable? Yes. There, there is, yeah. So, so hit, traditionally, you'll see probably ninety percent at the recreational level played in doubles, but okay. there is singles. And to Steve's point, you know, the two biggest things about this sport—it's fun, it's social, and honestly speaking, getting out there, hitting the ball, getting just the sense of it—you know, any age, any demographic. So, any singles is not the most popular form. It's sort of the subgenre. Not necessarily true. It depends oh. on 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 you because okay. you remember the last couple of years we were just stuck, you know, in indoors. COVID sure, hit and sure. singles all of a sudden became quite popular because <laughs> you knew who you could play with safely. Exactly. So I, I would say it's more popular now than it was a couple of years ago, probably. All right, why don't we go hit a few, and then we'll come right back here, and then you can say, okay, here's what you need to work on. Here's what's okay with you right now. And a few tips. Sounds like a plan. I, I think we got to put a question back to you first. Yes, though, please sir. do. I think we got to say, what do you think your first experience will be? So that way, when we come back, <laughs> we can ask you that same question. So, what was your I'm first sure, experience? What's your expectation? I'm sure I'm going to suck at it, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't mind it. You know, first time you do anything, you're not going to be very good. But maybe I'll get hooked. Maybe I'll get addicted. I'm a golfer. Every minute I get to golf, I want to play golf. Uh, Halligan is like, yeah, I like to golf, and he's good at it. But he's become Mr. Picklehead. He well, loves his time out here. You'll like it. And, Steve, one of the things I'd say is, is from people who've never played any racket sport, um, people who, who are unathletic, they come out and they get a group of friends in, in, a, in a similar skill range. But they're, I would say most of the uh, more accomplished players have really come from many other sports, right? There's a bunch of ex-tennis players, but as Sonny said, it wasn't even the strongest sport. But basketball guys, baseball players um, – Hockey guys, a bunch of lax guys, there, there's, and ladies. It's just it's one of those things that, that um, having good athletic balance and right. skill and hand-eye coordination and, and people who, who want to understand the strategy really can get better quicker. And um, we'll learn, you'll learn a little bit of that tonight. And uh, I know you're going to have a good time. All right, let's go. Let's, let's go figure it, it out. It. All right. All right, we are back, Mr. Halligan, Sonny. Wow, I'm exhausted. Did you remember I, the question that we left with? Which was? How, how good did you think you were going to be? I, you know, I hit some shots, but I hit a lot of dinkers, a lot of stupid shots. Now, when you get better, how many times will you hit a dumb shot that barely doesn't even get over the net? I don't know if I got this from Sonny, but, but as one of the things in teaching people and just around is the rule number one and one and one A in pickleball is, is just keep the ball in play. Well, um, of course, yeah. That's how you get good at table tennis. You know, I had buddies, you know, growing up, like Alan Abbasi, my next door, next door neighbor. He never missed a shot. It was always in play. It was so infuriating. It's like playing against a wall. Didn't have any great shots. You just couldn't get them to mess up. Yeah. And sometimes you'll see that, that one where it's just a pop-up. You want to kill it. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, and you should, but it's, you blow it past and blow it out of the court, and you're just thankful, yeah. for, you know, that your opponent did it to you. So one thing I learned, Sonny, was that, Smashing it while satisfying <laughs> is not always the best shot because the ball only reaches a certain terminal velocity and doesn't get much faster than that. So if your opponents are not uptight, 
and they're back a little bit, most smashes can be got to. I, I would agree with that. Is that, that fair enough? Yeah. The second thing I learned is that, oh, you better learn spin, baby. You better learn to recognize <laughs> it. You better respect it. These little dink shots that got a lot of spin on them like that, y- your, your paddle will go right over it. You'll be like, oh, my God, what happened? Yeah. So, but, but, you know, for the first time playing and the fact that you didn't know how a ball might bounce, how right. you might hit the ball, I mean, being able to recognize that so early on and soon, I mean, that's a, that's a great observation. Now it's just about executing and practicing how to handle yeah. that. Hey, 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 keep it down over there. And, Steve, your lifetime 1-0 in pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> yes, with a, with a world-ranked player. Sonny, what is your world ranking? I don't believe I'm ranked worldwide. You're not? No. I How about ranked in the state of Maryland? In, in the region, uh, according to Duper, I believe I'm currently 38 or 39. Not bad. Okay. Yeah. Is that in singles or in doubles? Uh, that's cumulative. Cumulative. Singles and doubles. How do they rate somebody that only plays doubles? Because you don't know if it's them or their partner, right? That's that's so true, and there's a bunch of different rankings, so there's no real one good way to do it, and there's also different tournaments, so they all have different ratings. There's a global rating, so it's it's a little bit more fragmented than we'd like to think. Okay. So where's the sport going? You just had yesterday the announcement <laughs> that one LeBron James purchased a professional pickleball team, right? They did in a Major League Pickleball. MLP. MLP. I think they went to uh, Sunny and Expansion Draft from 12 to 16 teams, I think. Or Cor- that's eight correct. To 12, yeah, yes, 12 to 16. Mm-hmm. So Drew Brees owns a team. Um, a lot of private equity and other people that are involved with the sport are. are what does a team cost? You're buying the players, right? So that's. You, you're that- buying the talented players and they're making a now salary, right? Well, you're, you're buying a team and then you're drafting players. So you oh. might not necessarily keep the same team. So, for example,. Um, I think the last, uh, if it's been running for three years, the last three teams that have won, they have pretty similar, but they have a draft where they've traded players. So they may have dropped some, they might have added oh, really? some. And How many a, players on the team? Uh, I believe they have two male and two female, so that okay. they have a, a gender uh, competition, so male-male and then female-female, and then mixed also. Um, and then there's a dream breaker, so there's a special event if there's a tiebreaker at the end. But, oh, wow. But to answer your question about the cost, um, you know, I'll be attending my first MLP just as a, as a guest in a couple of weeks, so I'll ask that question and, and get some info for you and follow <laughs> yeah, back up. No, I'm not shopping for one, but thank you very much, Sonny. So is there a competing league to MLP? Um, there's one that has come out one time, I believe it's called Selkirk Labs. Um, that's run uh, with another partnership. There's two major tours currently, APP and PPA, and PPA um, is... I would use the word partnership. Um, they use Selkirk Labs, and then APP is partner mostly with Selkirk MLP. Labs. What? what? So, yeah. Steve, here, here's a, I might give you a, a tennis analogy where people play on the tennis to, on the pro tennis tour, and they play majors and minors. Um, but there was also world team tennis, right? So in D.C., I the Washington that, yeah. Castles, owned right. by Mark Ein, that was more of – and they were different, six or eight different teams around the country. And they would have male and female, and they would do different team events, Um and they would go head to head, and it was it made very good television. It made you got a chance to see your favorite pros in, in a little bit of a different environment. I think the 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 professionals enjoy it um, as just a different way to compete and to right. be part of their their uh, their sport. So I, I think that MLP is very similar to world team tennis, whereas the main leagues um, I think we're most where the the two main leagues are the PPA and the APP. They're still you know they're they're still kind of working through. You know, who's got the right players. Right, you and- gave me three sets of alphabet letters. I'm now confused. 
So as to how they work, are they three separate tours? Two tours. And then what's MLP? Major League Pickleball, which is this this team this team style so event. So it's a team style event, whereas the other two are individual or two person type deals. Correct. It's it's your, you're, you you're trying partner. to win a gold, a silver. Okay. You're trying to win money or uh, a medal. So yeah, you're right. competing for your team. How many tour events are there per year per that, circuit? That's that's changing. That's ever changing. Ten, twenty, um, fifty. Great question. I believe. I, yeah, I actually ballpark. Uh, hey, hey, that's a that's a softball to talk about. The DC Open. Um, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Thank you, Zay. Um, so I think uh, the Integrate DC Open that's coming in October is the 20th event of the PPA. Um, and the PPA has done a great job in locking in a lot of the best players with appearance fees and commitments to, to play a number of events. So right when that event got started, the world's best were some of the first that filled in and made commitments to come to the first pickleball event in the DMV. All right. Okay. And that's going to be held where? Uh, it's going to be held at the JTCC that uh, probably got letters. A, got a little more <laughs> got a little more JTCC. Uh, Junior Tennis Championship Center. Center. Center probably. Where is it at? Uh, so it's at, it's right down the street from University of Maryland. Um, okay. so Francis Tiafo who yes, who beat Nadal, um, he grew up training in this um, professional tennis training center that's uh, probably similar to like a Boletary IMG, if you're familiar, where right. a lot of the American tennis players were, were trained. Right. Um, and so it has, you know, some of the best um, tennis players go through these these training academies. And, okay. and it's uh, it's going to be converted to 30 pickleball courts. There's going to be some indoor courts, some outdoor courts. They're going to have a stadium court where uh, the best will get those slots right. um, and have an opportunity to uh, – so it seems like it's a I, I can tell it's a great participation sport. It's very co-edible. It's all ages. It's for people who might have injuries. It's for athletes that want to compete at something other than golf. Okay. But who would come watch pickleball in person? Has to be only pickleball players. And then who's gonna watch on television? I know that there's some Maybe televised events, or probably a lot of it's online, YouTube, and other online channels. So I'll hit that one. Um, tennis Channel, I think some of the most popular programming on the Tennis Channel is Pickleball. <laughs> Crazy enough. That must burn the Tennis Channel's ass. You well, know it must. I think I, It I, must I, absolutely <laughs> drive them crazy. Um, there, there's a heavy YouTube for a lot okay. of the events, uh, right. however that business arrangement is. Um, great news in the D.C. tournament in um, October Twenty first to the twenty fourth will be CBS Sports is picking up Championship okay. Sunday for a couple hours. All right, and um, I think they get seven hundred fifty thousand a million viewers. They've done it a couple other times, so it's it's getting some very good national um, coverage and, okay. and getting out of the niche sure. um, cornhole right. type thing. I was going to say, do you feel like you need to break away from these other picnic games? Because some might look at pickleball and think. Oh, that's cute. It's a picnic game. I would say, let Sonny, you answer that one because you've seen some of the best play. Yeah, I, I think if you experience it live, same thing. Like when we put you on the court and you actually experience it and you get right. to put your hands on a paddle or a ball, I think it's different. So to answer your original question, of, you know, who's attending it? I, I think, yes, there's right. definitely pickleball that the diehards or the fans or the recreational player that get just this close to one of the top players in the world. I mean, yeah. there's something to be said. Sure. There's not a lot of other... To watch, absorb, sports. and appreciate how good they are, how Absolutely. quick they are, 
yep. how crafty they are. Yeah, and, and in live, in anything, live versus TV, I mean, it's a whole other sure, dimension. Sure. Um, but I do think, so to get away from the, the picnic or the crafty or the cornhole games, I think there's more to it than that. And once again, it comes back to what Steve just said, is every age can play it. So, you know, you've got players right now on the tour that are as young as eight years old. Um, and there's even divisions of 70 plus year olds. I mean, just imagine that. Right, what what other sport? There's no other can you sport say on the that planet. You can do that. That's so that. I, I don't think it's so much niche, but on the flip side, I mean, what other sport can bring together that those types of generations in yeah. a fun-filled and competitive, yeah. you know, sporting venue? Is pickleball a threat to tennis? I think that uh, any sport can coexist. And I think that it's just another dimension, another racket sport that players can play. For example, right here at this club, you know, we had the director of rackets saying, I've got kids coming from my junior tennis programs, picking up a paddle over here, just having a blast. And who's on the other side? Mom and dad. And they're sitting there and they're talking smack and saying, hey, go home and do your homework. We're done playing. So, I mean, it's... I don't think it's a threat to it. I think what it's is just something t- what else. What does tennis think, though, Sonny? I'm, I'm sure that because of you see we're on tennis courts, I think shared space is the challenge. So when you have something that's taken from you and given to somebody else, I think tennis players see it like right. that. And, and coming from a tennis background, You're a tennis guy, yeah. I think that if you look at it like that, it could be seen as competition or something being taken from you. What about, tellus, uh, what about tennis's envy? Or jealousy that there's so much sizzle. I can can tell you I have plenty of students and players that play both sports, my dad included, where he now plays six days a week after being retired, and he competes in tennis, and he competes in pickleball, and he says, I've got my group of friends with this, I've got my group of friends with this, I'm okay with both of them. So I think for some it can coexist. Some of them you still have that mentality of, I'm going to play tennis till I fall over. Uh, (laughs) So you're you're never going to make everybody happy. I, uh... I thought playing pickleball for the first time, I thought, I don't think you can play tennis and pickleball because it would mess you up in terms of how you swing the racket or the paddle and the spin and the contact and everything. But I guess players obviously do, right? Well, I think the answer is yes, but I think it's how how you approach it also. Remember, the two biggest things about this sport, it's fun, it's social. So imagine you've got something, you guys just came from golfing, you've got something you do with a group of friends. Who's to say you can't use the same group of friends or another group of friends to play this other sport? No, I know, but so. I'm saying a top tennis player mm-hmm. that plays pickleball, yep. I can't be good for his tennis game. So, so now you're getting into or the, can it? You're getting into the elite, right? So the point one percenters, yeah, maybe they can't. Oh, okay. But the majority of pickleball players are just like how about you, just a good average Steve. club tennis player? Yeah, I I think you can play both sports you and do. excel okay. at them. Um, but I think if you want to, just like in anything else in life, if you want to get really good at something, then you have to focus on that one thing and right. just you know hone your craft. I think a lot of a lot of people, Steve, that that come from tennis, when they may have this issue, like oh these guys are taking my real estate. When they play, the thing about pickleball, it is really really fun to play. It's just. The, um, you're saying tennis is not fun? No, tennis is fun, but but um, <laughs> when you're standing you're standing 14 feet away from somebody, um, you visceral. have you have quick quick points that right. that um, it's just uh, it's it's just a, a lot of fun. And tennis players who who give it a try, they're like, wow, that is pretty darn fun. And you right. can you know it's also age and gender independent, where you have kids playing with their grandparents right. and can play as competitively. You have yeah. males and females, different ages that that. Uh, have an opportunity to play, and, and when you're in that same skill level, it um, yeah, it's just a blast. Well, one thing that Steve said while we were golfing, Sonny, was that you know we can have some cocktails while playing pickleball. 
And that's probably that sounds like Steve. Very yeah. true. And I said, you know, that's brilliant because you can't have cocktails and play tennis. I mean, you can, but you're just asking to vomit. <laughs> you might because have you're gonna, you're gonna run too much. <laughs> right. And so pickleball hits that sweet spot for middle-aged, overweight guys like <laughs> me and Steve that want to have a, a, a drink and maybe some wings and do something competitive in addition to golf. Golf takes five hours. Pickleball takes an hour, so, if that. So are you saying if I'm not middle-aged and overweight, I can't enjoy no, cocktails and enjoy, wings? No, you bleed. <laughs> he burns it off quicker. I'm just saying our type of creature, Sonny, it's what we seek every day. Well, shout, shout out to the Annapolis crew that uh, – that hits it very hard in, in pickleball and has a lot of fun in cocktails on Saturdays. I, I don't often get to do that. but um, How's tennis doing? Be in, honest. In terms of just uh, yeah. participation. I, th- I think, once again, if we go back to the last couple of years, so COVID um, shut down a lot of things. I think tennis is probably had a nice bounce back okay. from that. I think it's just as popular for a couple of reasons. A lot of juniors, so... As a dad of two young ones, it's trying to find something that's maybe a safer sport or something that's easy to pick up. Right. Tennis, I think, has made a nice rebound. Um, okay. I, and I do think it's still quite popular. I think where the where you might not kind of see the optic of it is you've got pickleball that has just grown leaps and bounds right. in the last few years. And, and it's been around since 1965. It's only been in the last probably nine to ten years that it's just completely exploded on the scene. How about racquetball? You said you used to play. How's racquetball doing? Uh, not so great, I would it's say. It's not much of a thing anymore? 1983 was a, was a great year for racquetball. <laughs> what happened? Uh, I don't know. It, um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and had a, uh, probably one of the largest racquetball clubs in Maryland I'd play at for 20 years. Right. Um, COVID really blew it up. They shut down the gym. Well, yeah, um, it's, it's, you're in a hot box. And you know what's interesting, though, about that is that all of the guys I played with and knew forever picked up pickleball, and lots of them didn't come back. I yeah. mean, I'd say 75% of them what didn't go back. What about squash, which I never played but was like a close cousin, the weird cousin to racquetball? Squash is a, a ton of fun. Um, I, you know, my first pickleball tournament I played with, a, I think, the number seven squash player in the world. We got uh, paired up, and uh, he was unbelievable, just the, the skill. Um I don't know how well it's doing relative to, you know, growth and and participation. Right. Um, you know, it's. I don't it, think anyone plays it much anymore. Yeah, there's. A, you it know, was there's always a niche thing. Racquetball was more common. I played that a little bit for a period there. Never played squash though. I think what somebody should do, Sonny, is create a special tournament and declare a king of all rackets, where you play squash, racquetball, pickleball. And tennis. I think and ping, ping, ping pong. How about bat, throwing badminton? Ping pong. Badminton, badminton, paddle tennis. Uh, you, you've got a lot of paddle tennis. There's paddle. <laughs> you know, I'm a great Wait idea. A but there's a lot of racket Hold sports on. and okay. paddle sports out there. I will allow badminton, but <laughs> paddle tennis is dead. That's called like deck tennis, right? Some clubs would have <laughs> that winter. small court that was raised that would be used in the winter, fall winter, and the winter. winter. Absolutely. Right. Warming huts. I mean, this sport had to have killed <laughs> paddle tennis, right? There's a, there's a Bethesda Country Club just put in two new paddle really? tennis courts. Well, okay, so it um, still exists. Oh yeah, like duck pin bowling. That's, Every- now you're now now you're in Baltimore. You're talking candle pin, candle pin bowling. That's, yeah, yes. that's a Vermont. Yeah, you, you know all sorts of these. I, bro, I grew, I grew up playing tennis. I was I wanted to be Jimmy Connors at the uh, Tuckahoe Swim Club tennis club. I took lessons indoors in the winter, and then one day, Sonny, one day I told my mother, I'm done with tennis. And she was like, what? <laughs> what 
you mean you're done with it? I go, I'm, I'm tired of it. I don't want to play it anymore. She had spent all this time, all this money, lessons, rackets, et cetera, and impetuous 12-year-old me said, I'm done with it. So they didn't force me. They figured it was going to be a losing effort. <laughs> Well, Xavier, we'll get you out a couple more times playing pickle hey, and, and a, with, with a crew. That uh, no, this is uh, this has been a great education. I'll end with this: What is one thing, just one thing, Sonny, and you too, um, that worries you about pickleball? You say we got to keep our eye on this to make sure the sport doesn't get derailed. You first, Sonny, then you, Steve. Yeah, that's a great question. I think with all of the. Um interested parties that are out there right now it, there's never going to be i think one path that everybody's going to want to go down and i think that um the the folks that are impacting so you mentioned you know the lebron mlp announcement i think having the right people backing the sport and doing it in a way that's meaningful that kind of touches the masses is going to be really important can it be done i'm not too sure uh, but i think the the one biggest challenge for pickleball is you know do we have a vision for where we want it to go right. and where we want it to end up? And are we going to get there? Yeah. So. Steve? Yeah, I guess uh, thinking about that at the with things in golf, with Live Tour that has different team events and maybe some different formats and functions, I think trying to find that right formula because you're right, maybe it's not the best TV sport. I think it's I, – I enjoy watching it. I, I don't spend enough time doing so. But finding a thing that, that – um, things like Major League Pickleball where you have these competitions – um, to keep people more interested. But I, I think the, the groundswell, the, the celebrities, the, the pro athletes and others that are um, some of the big money in private equity, I mean, it is, it's got this amazing trajectory right, right. now. Yeah. And, um, you know, hope it has the right format for, for television and even broader mass uh, All right. media. Someday we'll have to take a pilgrimage to the original pickleball court in Washington. I saw the feature on ESPN yeah. where the, the, the pickleball fanatics go. And to pay homage. And they let people come up to this house yep. with the court in the front yard amongst the tall evergreens, the pine needles on the court itself, and they get to play a little bit. And it's, it's like they went to the holy ground. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. I love that. <clears throat> All right. Thanks, boys. It's been fun. Let's go play a little bit more, then I'm going home. I understand. Thanks, Sounds Steve. Yep. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate you. So I don't know if pickleball is going to be for me, but I appreciate the sweet spots that the sport hits. It's competitive. But it's a big tent. It's a big tent for all ages. All ages, all sexes, all abilities. Good for disabled uh, individuals. Good for special needs individuals. It can be very competitive if you, if you want. And that's why there are world-ranked pickleball players who play at an insanely fast pace. It's on ESPN and YouTube and whatnot. But it can also be played, honestly, with a drink in your hand after a round of golf if you wanted to play a more relaxed game. So that's a brilliant thing, and it gets people out on tennis courts, which at a lot of places, honestly, are not really being used. We shall see if I become a pickleball head. Sonny, by the way, has a website, SonnyTannon.com. That's S-O-N-N-Y-T-A-N-N-A-N.com if you want more information. We'll end on this. Hey, PayPal. What are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) This story is incredible. Dateline Reuters. PayPal Holdings Incorporated said on Monday, it will not find users for misinformation and that an earlier policy update for users of their money handling app or whatever they call it said that customers 
could have had to have paid up to $2,500 in damages if they were to forward misinformation. The CEO said that the uh, policy was sent in error. Oh, yeah. Whoops. Right. Shares of the San Jose, California-based company were down nearly 6% after the update, which PayPal said included some incorrect information, sparking intense backlash on social media over the weekend. PayPal is not finding people for misinformation. This language was never intended to be inserted into our policy. Yeah, but it was out there and somebody saw it and they go, what the fuck exactly is, is this? What are you doing? To paraphrase the meme of, sir, this is a Wendy's. PayPal, hello. You're there to safely and securely handle monetary exchanges of moderate value between individuals as gifts, or as a way to pay for something. You know, there's a lot of other services out there now. Venmo, Cash App, you name it, on down the list, Apple Pay. What are you doing with this? PayPal had published a policy updating prohibited customers from using its services for activities identified by it as sending, posting, or publication of any messages, content, or materials promoting misinformation. The new policy said customers could have to pay damages of up to $2,500 per violation and was supposed to go in effect November 3rd. PayPal's former president, former David Marcus, slammed the policy in a tweet on Saturday saying the new policy, quote, goes against everything I believe in. Quote, a private company now gets to decide to take your money if you say something they disagree with. Insanity. What are you doing? No shit. Elon Musk, who is in the biz, in the uh, process of buying Twitter, tweeted simply agreed. So in other words, PayPal's like, oh, never mind. Yeah, that uh, that was put in error. No, we no, we never meant to do that. Like it was, we, we might have talked about it, but no, we oh no, we're not doing that. It was misinformation itself, wasn't it? Maybe PayPal should find itself two thousand five hundred dollars. I know this. I have a PayPal account. I don't know if there's much money in it anymore because I believe eBay, which used to be the one place that I would catch my, you know, PayPal was the one place I caught my eBay money from. I believe they changed their policies. So now I think eBay, my eBay money goes right into my bank account. And I can guarantee you, I don't care if they've retracted this policy. PayPal, you're done. I'm going with a more trusted non-Orwellian financial exchange service called Hey Pal. Hey Pal, I owe you that money. You got it for me, don't you? Right. Okay. Knock, knock. Where's my money? And with that, we're done for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for keeping an open mind about things like pickleball on a Tuesday in the middle of football season, but I wanted to get it out there because I had a good time playing and maybe you too have some thoughts upon it. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow, back to more football as we are in the meat of the week, headed towards week six, and a blockbuster college football weekend coming up as well. It'll be our Tuesday power lunch from the Palm in Tyson's Corner. Thanks for listening. Have a great Tuesday, and we will see you next time.
You know football and you pick winners all the time. So why not get paid for them at my bookie? Bet single game spreads, money lines, or parlays to increase your payouts. Low contest entry fees and over a half a million dollars to be won. Make it so you don't have to be a pro gambler to have fun. Getting started is easy. Just visit mybookie.ag and use promo code ZABE on your first deposit to secure a double deposit bonus. That's promo code Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo to get your first First deposit matched dollar for dollar, all the way up to a thousand bucks. My bookie is a proven sports book that makes it simple to bet and to win. So make this your winning season exclusively at my bookie.